Welcome to episode 151 of Auto Off Topic. We passed episode 150 without much fanfare. Yeah. We're getting pretty good at not making fanfare over milestone episodes, huh? No. No. No no need to to care. Um, so, project updates. Get right into it. Right into things today, huh? Yeah. Well, we'll start with... Well, I don't have any skunked beer to talk about, so... Yeah, we're drinking polar seltzer water, though. That's worth, yeah, a, that's worth that's a mention. A, the usual. Yeah. It's worth a mention. I don't drink that much now that I normally live in Arizona, but I'm still here. Can't get it. Yeah. Um, project car updates. What do you want to start with? You want to start with the uh, golf madness? Uh, yeah. So we talked about... We'll go over this more in depth with uh, when we have Jordan and Liz on to recap the whole thing. But turns out, you know, I had had like a, a, like a fleeting thought on the way home from the rally. I was like... Could it be that the relays were just bad? So, this is the whole fuel pump saga we were discussing before. Yeah, the harness they had made came in some like Chinese relays, and uh, we decided that Jordan should buy some Bosch ones. And uh, turns out that solved the issue. So weird, super weird, and super annoying because it was driving us crazy for weeks. So basically, they were just junk, non-reliable relays. Yeah, and. What would even cause that, you think? Just wrong Poor resistance? quality. Yeah. Um, and, like, relays don't commonly fail. It's not impossible, but it's not common. It's usually, like, the very last thing that you would think would be the failure point. So I didn't... Yeah, of course. ...steered around that for a while. I thought the issue was somewhere else, so... Super annoying. And you don't like to, like, just throw parts at things, but at that point we just tried it. Because it seemed like everything else was correct. Because you you had wired the car, and you're like, I know my wiring is correct. Or yeah, I hope my wiring is correct we anyway. Checked voltages, and it was this whole thing. It's so the moral of the story is don't cheap out when purchasing relays. No, apparently not. Yeah. Uh, but these are the ones that came with the harness, so that's doubly annoying. Well, maybe somebody should email this gentleman who made the harness and tell him his uh, relay choice is not ideal. Yeah. I wonder how much, how much cheaper were they, do you know? I have no idea. Bosch relays aren't expensive. No, I have no idea. Well, okay. All right. So the Eclipse, we talked about doing the axles. Uh, you had it in the body shop getting fixed. You got it back. Uh, it's in. Pri- it was in primer. Yes. Uh, so what did you do to get it not into primer? Because you worked on it today. I did. I painted it today. Yeah, you posted a picture of it just in primer and yep. like wet sanding it. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to post So I wet sanded it with... Um, 400 and 500 grit sandpaper just to get it a smooth surface in the primer for the paint to adhere to. Mm -hmm. Um, We went to a local auto body supply store here yesterday and we gave them the paint code and they actually mixed up the original color for the car and put it in an aerosol can. It's not cheap. No, it was like 26 bucks for the can, I think. But it's pretty handy. Because exact color. And I don't have to have, like, a full gun set up with an air compressor and the gun and paint made. And yeah, and it's not like a duplicolor paint that you're trying correct. to get the Correct, and I'm store. not painting the whole car. I'm just literally painting the outside below the molding in the middle of the door. So it's maybe a three and a half, four foot by one foot section. Yeah. So an aerosol can is fine for that. Eventually, the whole car will probably get a professional respray. But for now, this looks way better than primer. Yes, it does. Um, I think it actually came out pretty nice. <laughs> Do yeah. I do say so myself? Uh, all those years of painting model cars really uh, 
really prepped me up for this, I think. Well, they set you up with a two-part, right? It's a two-part, so it dries flat, and you have to put a clear over it after you've put the color coat down. Yeah. So it's dried flat. Um, let me rewind a little bit. So I took apart the car a little bit more. I pulled the rest of the moldings off so I could have the hard line behind the moldings. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have a hard line of old paint and new paint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pulled all the moldings off rather than tape them. So that was all taken care of. I then did the um, 300, sorry, the 400 and sandpaper and the 500 sandpaper just to knock it down a little bit because primer has a texture to it. And if you spray over texture, your paint will have a texture. Mm-hmm. So I knocked that down a little bit. So I did that with wet sanding. Um, once I was satisfied with that, I had some masking paper and some tape, and I taped off the whole side of the car except for what I wanted to have done, obviously, and uh, just went to town spraying it up. Oh, I did use Prepsol first, which is a product that cleans the panel after you've takes all the residue off and all the sanding goop off. Um, that was the Prepsol, and then sprayed it, and it's drying now, waiting for clear coat. So. Hmm. It's a little bit on the brighter side than the rest of the car, but I think the clear coat will probably darken it up just a little bit, and it'll probably match perfectly looking at how it looks. So I'm pretty stoked on that. And then you think the top of that door you can buff maybe? I'm going to try. So the, the door, so the car was wrecked when the quarter panel and rocker were damaged. The door was trashed. So the previous owner, Nate, put a new door on the car, and he bought at a junkyard. It was a red door. Um, the only problem was, was that at some point the car that that red door was on had a cheap respray, probably because there was, you know, faded paint on the top or something. So the cheap respray was a single stage and it's faded down and it's flat looking. Um, I can still see some spots in the door where the paint's peeled back and the original red paint is still showing. So I'm hoping if I'm very patient with a buffing wheel, I can maybe, uh, bring it back to the paint that's underneath the cheap respray on top because it doesn't look like the car was even sanded before it was painted. Hmm. So it may come back. It may not. It won't look worse than it is. And worst case scenario, I'll get another can of this Rattlecan red paint and it'll paint the top section of the door. Yeah. Worst case scenario. Hmm. But the, the big update with that car would be the rattle. Yeah. We discussed the rattle last time. We've been trying to figure out why the rear suspension in the car Sounds like it's going to fall apart. I thought it was a caliper. Turned out I did actually have a spare driver's side caliper because I got the wrong one when I was doing the Galant. I got a front-wheel drive. Correct. And all-wheel drive. And the brake hose goes in at a different angle. Yes. Otherwise, if you put a front-wheel drive caliper on an all-wheel drive car, the brake hose doesn't have the banjo bolt fitting, so it right. will hit the wheel. Correct. Uh, it also doesn't seal properly because it doesn't go into the, the fitting is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it turns out that caliper was junk. Uh, yeah, very much so, actually. Super annoying. So, we put the caliper on the car, because our original thought was that the slide, where the slide pin on the top of the caliper was, on the caliper on the car, had been remanned, and the hole was too big, and it was just fitting sloppy. That was just our shot-in-the-dark thoughts, because we literally changed everything else in that back of the car. Everything was nice and tight. Um, so we swapped this new caliper on. And then we were having a really hard time bleeding it, mm-hmm. and we couldn't figure out why. It wouldn't bleed. You'd step on the brake, and literally I could still spin it, the, the hub and brake rotor by hand. It wouldn't change at all. At one point, you hit the brake really hard, and we heard a bang. Yeah, like it pushed out. It's like finally the piston pushed out. So we're like, oh, okay. And then the rotor stopped. 
But then you pulled the e-brake, which the e-brake in the Eclipse Gallant style setup has a, uh, a ratcheting mechanism inside the caliper mm-hmm. that every time you pull the e-brake up, it pivots this little adjuster out and it pushes the brake piston into the pad like you're applying the brakes. This is my preferred style versus drums inside the rotor. Oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely a better style. When it works fine, it works fine. And honestly, yeah. I've never seen this failure before. Yeah. So I think something was wrong inside that setup and then when it finally released was what it made that bang and whatever released broke the inside of the caliper because now that e-brake ratcheting mechanism literally doesn't do anything yeah so we have the caliper back off the car now we're frustrated because we spent so much time trying to figure out why we couldn't bleed it we couldn't bleed it because the e-brake assembly is holding up the piston somehow yeah so we put the old caliper back on the car now we're annoyed because at this point we're like well we're trying to fix this stupid thing what are we going to do? But before that, yeah, we were having a hard time again putting the brake pads back in. Yeah, and uh, the inner brake pad and the clips. There's two springy clips and then two just flat stainless steel clips. Mm-hmm. And whoever put this together the first time had the two spring clips on the inside, on the top and the bottom. Right. And it's super hard to get the pad in. And I'm doing it. I'm like, I do not remember this being this hard. There's no way this is this hard. There's no way I blocked it out of my memory that it was this hard to do. Because the pad literally does not fit with these clips in it. Right. I was like, I f- and then finally I was like, I think if these are done properly, I didn't have either of my cars to look at because that was at my dad's house. Um, I was like, I believe the two spring clips go on the bottom and then the two regular clips go on the top and they keep the pads from rattling around. Right. So, yes, as soon as you flip the two spring clips to either side and then the two regulars to the top and you put the right. pad slide right in perfectly and don't move around. Yeah. So, basically, there's obviously there's two pads on each wheel yeah, and then there's four clips, one for the top and bottom of each pad. So, there's two spring clips and two shims, like you said. Yeah. And they had both of the pressure clips on one side they and must, just the shim clips on the other side. This person must have struggled forever to get the pads in there. Well, I'll tell you what. The inside of the car... When you leave the window shut all day, yeah. reeks of marijuana. Yeah. So I'm sure that they were a little um, confused and intoxicated maybe when they put the brakes together. This is not the previous owner who I bought it from. It's the guy before him. Yeah. He did not do the rear brakes. Nate did the front brakes, and they're great. But the rear brakes are an issue. Yeah. So thankfully, we figured it out. Got the whole car put back together with the old caliper back on it now because it works just fine. Yeah. The brake pads are in nice and tight now. And lo and behold car doesn't rattle at all. Yeah. It's nice and tight now. So that one loose brake pad, so it was the outside pad on both sides. Yeah, it just was echoed, super loose. Echoed through the whole car. And the way the front wheel drive DSMs are set up, they have a beam rear axle. So it's this giant piece of metal that goes side to side with a torsion beam inside of it. And it's just it echoes through the whole car. It's all just one piece of metal. So no matter what side you hit a bump on, the pads are rattling that much. And echoed so loudly you could hear the whole entire car. So we chased that problem for a while, and it was some previous owner's screw-up that was the whole problem from the get-go. So I don't care that it was wrong. I'm glad it was fixed. Just annoyed that it was such a stupid little thing, and we spent so long trying to figure it out. So moral of the story is if you use any illicit substances or even drink beer while working on cars, just... Pay attention. Well, don't, don't get too screwed up. <laughs> I didn't really notice it because it had been a while since I did mine, and mine were set up the right way, so I just put them back the same way they were. Right. 
And that's what we were doing. Like, that's how we've always worked on cars. You take it apart, you put it back the same way it came apart. Like, we didn't even think to, to change the clips around because that's how they were. Until you couldn't get the pad in because with two spring clips on one side, the hole was literally too small for the pad. Like, they must have used, like, a pick and a hammer to get those pads in. Yeah, so I was like, there's no way this is... this. It was too hard to be correct. It was just too hard. Yeah, for sure. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Not a fan. But it's done now. So the car runs great, drives great, axles are done, brakes are done, tires are on, it's painted red, just needs to be clear-coated still. Um, I'm pretty stoked with the progress we've made on the car. Mm-hmm. So That's good. Yep. Um, it will, obviously, it won't be making Radwood NorCal because of things that came up. Um, so we didn't make the trip, but it'll be at Radwood, Boston yeah. in October now. Cool. I, uh, I ordered some Coney heavy tracks from Montero. Okay. Let's get rid of the, uh, the, the, uh, KYB, the kill your backs. Yes. Uh, they're just way too stiff. Mm-hmm. They're like the silver GR2s or whatever for these trucks. Mm-hmm. That's what my truck has too. Yeah. They're the they're cheap. They're the least expensive shock you can get from Montero. Right. I had them on the 89 and they came on this truck. Right. And they're just crazy stiff. Like, they might as well be solid. Uh, where the Coney's are actually rebound adjustable. You can't adjust them on the truck. You have to take them out and turn them. But mm-hmm. you can adjust them so they're super soft. And they're equivalent to, like, yellow Bilsteins. Uh, and they have, like, a faster, uh, like, a fast. they, like, respond better. A so faster rebound? Yeah. So when you get on, like, um like grab like long gravel dirt roads and you drive them pretty quick like it knowing the, the forest rally yeah the truck won't vibrate as much because mm-hmm. it'll dampen better so that that's uh th- those would be cool i should have those shortly get those on i was like i would also like to do i've got the white line trailing arm bushings for that truck which really tightened up the 89 so i try to do those at the same time but you gotta put you gotta pull the whole trailing arm off and it's it's actually decently easy on the roll-on lift because the axle doesn't move or anything. You don't mm-hmm. have to have the truck lifted up. I remember doing the, the shocks in the first gen. It took like an hour total. <laughs> the rears are really easy. The, the fronts are a little trickier, but not too bad. So to get that done, maybe over the weekend if I have time. And uh, that's kind of it for, I don't know, any other project car stuff I haven't done le- like on my stuff. No, we've just been working on the Eclipse for yeah. a time. I need to change the oil on the Galant. Uh, sorry, on the uh, Subaru. Mm-hmm. And I still need to put that fender liner in. Oh, I already posted that yesterday, and then we got too tied up with the Eclipse. The Eclipse yeah. project that was supposed to take like an hour. Yeah. That wound up taking three. And then the part of the heat wrap on the downpipe is dragging. Like it's it hanging, like on felt, the it's hanging down. I can see it every time I walk up to the car. Yep. Like especially the top of my driveway because you're lower at the bottom of my driveway. I can see underneath. That's annoying. Yeah, I gotta like wrap it back up. But upcoming events? Yeah, what do you got? I don't have anything. I'm going back to Arizona. Well, you got Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee, August eighteenth. Yep, and I actually will be here again, believe it or not, in Massachusetts in two weeks. So that's at the coffee factory. Yep. Salem, New Hampshire. Check the Facebook event for details and updates. So that was what date? The four no August eighteenth. Eighteenth, okay. Mm-hmm. It's a Sunday. Excellent. Yeah, I'll be here for that, so that's good. Were there any other ones? Uh, not that I can come up with top of my head real quick. Uh, I do have a quick trivia question for you. That's something that I learned last night. What is it? What American vehicle in the 80s 
was available with a Mitsubishi turbo diesel engine. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Shocked. Whoa. Shocked. What, American also, vehicle? American vehicle with a Mitsubishi turbo diesel. Also. Is it a heavy truck? Nope. Also, some of these vehicles were also available with the um, uh, KM145 transmission. Okay. Wait a minute. So it's a diesel. Yep. It's not. So it's not like a commercial truck. It's not a commercial vehicle. It's a pickup truck. It's not a pickup truck. Not a pickup truck. Correct. But it's a diesel. It is a diesel. And not. It didn't have to be. And it, it wasn't a Chrysler product. Nope. Really? It, no. It did not have to be a diesel to have the 145 transmission either. They also mated that to their own V6. Really? So I imagine it would be a GM product? Nope. Really? <laughs> You're batting a thousand here. All right. So then it has to be a Ford product. It didn't have to be a Ford product, but it is. I mean, it could have been an AMC still. I don't know what year it is. Okay. Uh, but it is It is a Ford product. Okay. So is it a light truck, like a pickup? It's not a pickup, but it is kind of a truck. It's pickup truck based. Really? Is it yeah. like a some Ford like van, like a transit van or something? Negative. It would be a personal vehicle that would be used for um, just is normal daily driving. Ford, it's some sort of Ford station wagon? No. No, it's truck based. What? Yeah. So it's like, uh, but it's not a van. No. But it's truck based. Yeah. Well, if it's not a pickup truck, it's not a van, what's, what's left? Is it like a Bronco 2? Yeah. What? Yeah, the <laughs> Bronco 2 was available with a turbo diesel 4056 or 4055, one or the other. Um, and then it was available with a KM145 manual transmission. That's so weird. Right? I kind of want one now. How rare are they? Uh, pretty rare. They didn't sell very many of them. I mean, Bro Bronco 2s in general are not common anymore. No. There, there aren't many left. Um, I mean, I've seen more of them since I moved to Arizona than I've seen probably in my entire life. How do you, yeah, what years were Bronco 2s? Um, I actually pulled the Wikipedia page up. And they were like? Uh, 84 to 90. Just a small truck version. So They're 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 a Bronco based on a Ranger. Okay. So versus like, a Bronco based on a full-size truck frame. Right. So this is the one with like the curved top rear windows? The rear glass went up into the roof and then curved into the roof. Kind of like a Mitsubishi Delica van with the crystal light van. That's so strange. Yeah, I had no idea. There was an article in Hemmings um, Classic Car. Just They've been doing a bunch of features on like weird trucks lately because trucks are really like the up-and-coming thing right yeah, now, yeah, collectability-wise. Yeah. Um, and they had a little like two-page spread about the, about the um, Bronco 2, which was obviously the Ford's first entry into the... Um, small SUV game. Yeah, was, they're, they're play, they were basically playing catch up for Chevy and GMC's S10 and S15 because they had the Blazer and the Jimmy, and Ford had nothing. And Ford was like, "Oh crap, we don't have anything. All these manufacturers are coming out with these smaller SUVs. We need one." So they rushed that thing to market, and then it was a serious rollover hazard car. There were three vehicles: that one, the Samurai, and S10s. No, S10s weren't. Probably S10s a Montero. No, it wasn't the Montero. It was definitely a Samurai, definitely that, and it was one other one. Um, so they had a pretty big rollover controversy with them. Um, but yeah, they went from 80, 84 to 90, and then they were replaced with 
the Explorer. The, the Explorer, which obviously had its own rollover thing with the Firestone oh. Tire debacle. Yeah, but every every small SUV has rollover hazard. Yeah, these were considered more top heavy than um, others. The Samurai was super narrow and tall, mm-hmm. uh, and they say a lot of what actually made this truck top heavy was that glass. Weird, because the glass went all the way up the side of the car into the roof instead of being, you know, a small piece of glass like on an S10 Blazer. But yeah, I learned that they had a Mitsubishi turbo diesel and Mitsubishi transmissions, and I was kind of shocked by that. I, I had no idea. I, I've never seen one. I've never known of one to exist. I guess it was only a year or two that I even offered it. Um, but I did. I've never heard of any other Ford Mitsubishi partnership. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. If if you asked me the question and I did not know about the Bronco, my guess would have been a Jeep product because of the licensing between yeah. Mitsubishi and Jeep. But it wasn't. It was a Ford Bronco too, which they've always kind of like intrigued me. Like they're kind of like a short wheelbase Montero. They're kind of neat looking. Hmm. Um, they have that weird twin I beam front suspension like a Ranger has. Because it is a Ranger. Yeah, it's a Ranger. So, I mean, they had all kinds of different versions of them. Eddie Bauer versions, XLTs, Weird. sport package trucks. They were they were really neat little trucks, but you just don't see them anymore out here because they must have all rotted away. Oh, yeah, definitely. You do see a bunch of them, like I said, out in the Southwest, but not a ton. I so, didn't know um, they came in the diesel. No, and a Mitsubishi diesel at that. So I mean, S10s came in the diesel, too. They did? They did. You know who made that one? Zuzu. Yes. Yeah, that one makes more sense. Well, GM uses a lot of Zuzu diesels. For sure. But I, if if you had it's okay, now reversing the question, if you had said, hey, Brad, th- you know the Bronco 2 came with a diesel? And I said, no. And you said, well, what diesel do you think it would be? I'd be probably some Mazda engine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, the Mazda B2200 was a Ranger. Hmm. And the Ford Courier was a Mazda. So, but no, it was, it's a Mitsubishi. Which is neat because that means it's the same engine as like a Delica van. Or... Hmm. A first-gen Montero diesel, which we didn't get here. Hmm. So it's basically so it's basically a short wheelbase Montero with a Ford badge in the front. <laughs> weird, yeah, super strange. But it's a good parts source, I guess. If you're if you have one of those weird imported Mitsubishi diesels, and you can find one of these in a junkyard, or if you need to go to Napa and get parts, you'd be like, oh yeah, it's an '86 Bronco two diesel, and you can get your Mitsubishi diesel parts for your imported Mitsubishi diesel. So. Anyway, that was my only trivia. I just I, I, I happened to read that last night and was like, I bet Andrew doesn't know about this because I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. And it's super obscure. So, so that was kind of fun. Uh, rollovers. That's the that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Was a Montero rollover in front of me. Oh, that's right too. I remember that in yeah. Revere, right? Yeah, I was uh, driving the parts van back. It's Friday afternoon. I was taking my time going down Revere Beach. Yep. This lady like came around the corner and like put a wheel in the dirt. Yep like overcorrected and did like a barrel roll right like three cars hand. in front of us yeah. yeah and then landed on the wheels facing the direction we were going yeah she was coming the opposite direction right and it was like the three the three cars we stopped and like got out and this lady was like white knuckled on the steering wheel yeah like her window was broken she's what just, just happened yeah like just thousand yard stare and luckily like the the state police barracks are like right there the fire station right there yeah. too yeah so they showed up pretty fast and it was like <laughs> We're like, okay. Speaking of Revere, Revere Beach, do you remember probably about four or five years ago when I had my Colt parked at Revere Beach? I was at a job interview. I met the guy at the at the body shop at like a restaurant down there. And I got a note left in my car. So we trying to buy it. Uh, no, I don't remember you telling me that. No, I did. I think the note's still in the car, actually. Okay. So I was uh, at my house, my parents' house, last week. And I got a call from your dad. 
Yeah. Because there was some random dude in the driveway. Now, bear in mind, our parents live on like this dead end street that there's no reason to go down. Yeah. Um, and he was talking to your dad, and your dad's like, hey, this guy wants to talk to you about your cult. And I was like, oh, great. Sure. <laughs> so I went outside, and it was the dude who left the note on the car when it was parked in Revere four years ago. Oh, weird. Turns out he lives in Revere. Yeah. And he has a 78 cult. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was trying to buy my car. Oh, okay. Just what, so obscure and random that it was that same dude and he was on our little tiny little dead end lane and a half wide street. So oh, weird. I did not sell it to him because I'm not selling the Colt. No. But I did offer to buy his because I'm an idiot. So huh. he has a uh, a 78 special edition, the white one with the red vinyl roof and the red interior. I feel like you said you saw a car like that around or something. Must have been him, yeah. Yeah. Well, he said he's never driven it, but his dad used it a few times. Okay. So... Anyway, just a small... He knows what he has. He knows what he has. No low balls from you. Nope. Nope. He didn't take my $200 offer. (laughs) I didn't offer him $200. I did sell him one of my spare engines, though, so... Oh, good. Now I don't have to drag it across country. There you go. I, uh... Oh, yeah, we did, um... cleaned my mom's car up for her. Oh, yeah, the Beetle. We we even talked about the Beetle at all? Yeah, we did. Did we talk about what the car was and... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a '79 Super Beetle. Yep, sixty-five thousand original miles. Yep, original interior. With a, it's a cabrio. So yep. the, and that just means the Super just means it had curved windshield, McPherson struts. McPherson struts. That, that's the important part. Yeah, well, the curved windshield I guess gave you more interior room because mm-hmm. it pushed the dash further, mm-hmm. further forward. And then the and more visibility. And then losing the torsion bars in the front let you lay down the. Uh, Spare tire. Spare tire, so you get more cargo yeah, space. Yeah, the earlier ones had the spare tire standing up in the front. Yeah. And it says it laid down flat. Yeah. And this is the very last year car. So it's fuel injected, too. Yeah. Which is also super neat. Super yeah. early Bosch fuel car, uh, car runs good, drives good. You guys got a inspection sticker on it. Yeah. We detailed it. Yeah, once we clean it up, it looked really nice. Yeah, it's a really nice car. A little quick little coat of wax and clean you it up. You guys are going to have, your mom's going to have a lot of fun driving that thing around. I can't wait to hear that she has. I don't think she's driven it yet, has she? Drove it a couple times. Oh, did she? Yeah. Oh, excellent. Good. My uh, my dad wants to get because the pedals are really close in those. Yep. He, he ordered them today. Yeah, you can get kits to, to to spread the pedals. You apart. widen the pedals apart. Yeah, the company called J Bugs makes this yeah. kit. It's literally a spacer in between the uh, clutch and the brake, and then there's a different arm I think for the gas pedal. Yeah. So like you know, wider feet can control them without hitting all of them at the it, same time. The car has an insanely narrow pedal box. Yes. It's like a because the the pan like narrows as it goes forward, and then like it's funny because like a car in '79 that had separate fenders from the body. Like, when was the last time I had one of those? Like, I don't think it like separate like bulbous fenders. You know what I mean? Like pontoon yeah, fenders. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't. Other, Other than, than a Beetle. <laughs> or like an MG. No. No, they, they were That was even those. back in the 50s. I yeah. those. Kind of like a 30s car style fender. You mean? Yeah. Like a, yeah. Because it is a 30s car. A Beetle is a 30s car. Yeah, essentially. Didn't change at all until 2000 whatever when they stopped making them. So crazy. Yeah, it's a neat car. I'm a fan. Yeah, I drove it around for a little bit. It was super fun. Once you get used to how hard you have to press the non-power brakes. Non-power four-wheel drums. Yeah, but you know what? When I go to move my dad's Catalina, it has power four-wheel drums, mm-hmm. and you want to go through the windshield when you just barely touch the brake. Right. So it's actually better not having power. You just have to 
be aware. Right. Have to put. Well, we were looking. They make a disc brake conversion kit that's like two hundred ninety nine dollars. It might even be worth it for that car. Yeah, it'll still be non power, but uh, it'll just be a lot better braking system, and it won't be affected by rain as much either. Uh, okay. That's a scary thing about drum brakes. We have driven drum brake car in the rain. No, it's not fun because that initial bite of the, the initial pedal push doesn't it's do jack. Clearing the water off. Yeah, exactly. So, like, my motorcycle has a uh, a drum front brake. And after being caught in the rain in that, it's like a two and a half inch drum to it. It's tiny. And uh, that first, you first pull that you know brake pedal on the motorcycle and it doesn't do anything. And you immediately panic. The only thing I've ever, yeah, everything I've ever owned has only been either four wheel discs or drums in the rear. Yep. I've never had a, I've never owned a drum brake front, I'm sorry, a front drum brake car, just a motorcycle. Even my 71 NSU has got disc brakes in the oh, front. Oh, it does? Mm-hmm. Oh. That was the... The upsell between buying a Beetle or an NSU. The Beetle, the NSU was marketed more against like a BMW 2002 than a Beetle. Oh. So it had a little bit more fancy fans. Mm. Like in 71, it has full three-point seatbelts all around. I still don't understand brakes. how new cars, how a drum brake can be cheaper on some new cars. Yeah, I don't know. Because there's so much extra hardware inside them. I know my mom's 05 Honda had drum brakes in the rear. That's not even new anymore, but it still, no. still even seemed weird then. No, but I like drove a new Clio in Europe. It was like a 16 or 17, mm-hmm. and it had drums in the rear. I think a Bass Accord and Bass Civic still have drums in the rear to this day. So weird. Yeah. You think they just like throw like disc brakes have to be cheap enough now? You don't have to make a new setup for the car. You just make a new bracket. Yeah. Like <laughs> the and, caliber itself could be for something and else. And rears just get solid rotors. They don't need to be vented, mm-hmm. so they're even cheaper. They're just little stamp. I'm sure there's some reason for it, or else they wouldn't make them that way anymore. Yeah, very strange. But they do. Like, I think a new Jetta has drum rears. New Accord still well, has base, drum rears. Base, base Jetta. Yeah, base, yeah, base Jetta. Well, yeah, the new Jettas are, like, super, super cheap. Super decontented. They're pretty terrible cars, actually. Yeah. I mean, for the price they are, they're okay, you know, because they're, like, the cheapest mid-size sedan in the market. But what they took out to make it the cheapest mid-size sedan in the market was yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. I think I told you I, I, I test drove one before I bought my used sport wagon, mm-hmm. and the steering wheel felt like a like one of those pool noodles. <laughs> like, that's the kind of foam it felt like it was made out of. Ew. Yeah, it was gross. And it's flat bottom, too, which no car should have a flat bottom or a square steering wheel. No. I just, I just, I disagree with it. It's so weird when you release the steering wheel in your hand, like, it comes back, and this bump that's in it is... Yeah. Like, the new Corvette, which we don't really talk about new cars, but there's a new Corvette... Have you seen a picture of the interior of that car? No. The steering wheel is square. Is it? Almost essentially square. Ooh. Yeah. It car, it's disgusting inside. It has a giant iPad next to the steering wheel, and then there's a whole like waterfall of buttons that goes from the dashboard all the way in between the passenger and the driver to like right next to you. It looks like a piano almost going in between the two. I feel like there's another car that looks like that, but I can't think of it. I don't know, but either way, it's gross. This is the mid-engine car? Yes. The 2020 Hmm. Well, it supposedly, it's gonna start at sixty grand, but we'll see. Uh, that sounds like a pretty cool car for sixty grand, though. Automatic only. Oh, really? No manual transmission option. Yep. Oh. Yep. Well, for that reason, I I am out. Yep. Old man yells at cloud. I give want... me my manual. I don't mind that it's mid-engine, but why can't you give it a manual? That's so stupid. Like, yeah. Weird. I mean. 
like, okay, for a while we were going towards like, you know, automatics were. There's the steering wheel and that waterfall of buttons. Oh yeah, there's another car that's like that. But, but is that not a square steering wheel? Yeah, it's kind of square. Yeah, <laughs> that must be so annoying to drive. Um, but there was like, for a while it was like in the 2000s, automatic cars are going to be so much faster, like they shift faster and these twin clutches. Oh, it's true. It does. There's no question. Yeah. And now like people are just like, listen, we're over it. It's cool. I, I just don't, I want to shift gears. I yeah. just, and at least like Porsche at least offers a car with a manual because you don't need to have the fastest shifting car ever. No. I to, want a car that's fun. And we're beating this like a dead horse, but I want a car that's engaging to drive. That's all. I don't care about lap times. I don't care about zero to 60 times. I just want a car that's fun to drive. And yeah. I, I, just, I can't get behind that automatic only. I literally, I was I was totally behind. I was like, yeah, the Corvette needs to go mid-engine. They need to, to be a better car. It needs to go mid-engine. Mm-hmm. But now if it's automatic only, it's like, oh, okay. No, thank you. But so is the competition. You know, Ferraris are automatic only and all the other mid-engine cars. So mm. Whatever. Boring. Not my deal. I'm not buying one anyway. Stick with a C5. Uh, I will I will vote with my wallet. I will not buy one. Yeah, plenty of people will, though. Right. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. I think that's it for today. Cool. All right. Uh, a little bit of a short episode, but, uh, you know. Not too bad. Yeah, we had a half hour at least, which is better than zero episode. Yeah. All right. So as always. We'll have uh, a couple of extra episodes coming up anyway, I think, pretty soon, because we have yeah, a lot of people that need to come in and fill yeah, us in on yeah. things. There'll be some guest episodes coming up. Yeah, we just want to miss one for you guys. Um, follow us on Facebook, Auto Topic Podcast. Uh, I have a page on Facebook, Race and Anger. Uh, there's some rally car pictures up there. Oh, yeah, you haven't promoted that in a long time. No. But uh, most of your rally car stuff goes there. Yep. Uh, and I've, I've had a few people buy some photos from me, so I appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Race and Anger. Follow the podcast, Auto Off Topic, on Instagram. And uh, Brad, where are you? Find me at TSISS350. All right, cool. Keep your eyes analog and aim for the roses. Mm-hmm.